Thanks be to God. Shakespeare has a play called A Comedy of Errors, and it's a story of two sets of twin brothers, okay? So, one set of identical twins and another set of identical twins, and they are paired off, one brother from each set, and then at birth, there's a shipwreck, and they're separated. Uh, And so, uh, right after they're born, they're separated. They grow up in separate cities. Um, It just so happens that of the twins, both sets of brothers are given the same name, okay? So, we have two identical brothers living in different cities, both named Antiphilus, and we have two identical brothers, both living in different cities, both named Dromeo. So, Antiphilus and Dromeo um, are are working together. The Dromeos are actually kind of servants to the Antiphiluses, and uh, kind of going about their separate lives until one day, one set of brothers shows up in the city where the other set of brothers lives, and just absolute chaos ensues. Now, and it, it, it's a hilarious play, and all kinds of weird things happen, right? So, at one point, one Antiphilus's wife finds the other Antiphilus, who has, remember, the same name, who looks identical, and has a manservant with the same name who looks identical, and she thinks it's her husband. So, she brings him into her house, and while he's there, he doesn't know who she is, but he really takes a liking to her sister. And so, um, he's hitting on her sister while her sister thinks it's her wife's husband hitting on her, but really it's her wife's identical brother hitting on her. It's crazy, right? Uh, And then one Antiphilus gets confused about which Dromeo is his Dromeo, and so they'll ask one guy to go do something, and he'll come back, and he'll have done the wrong thing, and it's just a total disaster. It's a hilarious play. Uh, But at the heart of this play is this question about identity, right? So what makes you you? And, and what if there was someone who looked just like you and had a name that was the same as yours, how would we tell you apart? In, in the play, it's about where you're from and how you behave, but it's a really interesting question, right? Um, how, do we, how do we define ourselves when we remove some of the superficial parts of who we are? David asks this question today, who am I? And I think it's a really important question for us. I think perhaps not unlike a comedy of errors, we live in a time where there is an explosion of identity options and questions, where where never before have we been asked in so many different ways to define ourselves and who we are. If we went back to biblical times, it would have been unthinkable that you would choose who you were going to marry what career you were going to have, or where you were going to live. For most of human history, people didn't have to make those choices. They were decided for them, right? Today, we tell our kids, hey, you can be anything you want to be, which is kind of cool and kind of terrifying at the same time. Uh, The identity options just in the last 15, 20 years have exploded even more, right? I mean, in, in, in really dramatic ways, now we ask people to decide you know, not just their sexual identity, but their gender identity. Do you feel like a boy or a girl? Um, But even more dramatically than that, right, the internet has completely changed how we think about identity. And so, you can go on the internet and you can be… I could become a 27-year-old guy with flowing long hair um, and and just really big muscles right on the internet. It'd be awesome. Uh, In fact, um, maybe you've experienced the, the identity theft that can happen on the internet, right, where somebody pretends to be you. 
Some of you have gotten emails or text messages from Jim Gates asking for Amazon gift cards, right? That's not me, by the way, um, though I appreciate those of you who called to find out. Um, uh, identity is this interesting, complex confusion. It, it really feels like an explosion of options, right? We can choose who we want to be in ways that were completely impossible before this. And, and sometimes there's good in that, and sometimes that can be kind of overwhelming. Sometimes it's more of a tragedy than a comedy, because I think we can lose ourselves in that sea of choices, right? We can lose who we are in trying to figure out who we are. So I want to spend the next few weeks thinking about this question of identity, of vision of ourselves. Who do we think we are? And, and, and today I want to suggest just three ideas that I believe are really important for us as the church to hold on to in the midst of sort of the identity explosion, the comedy or tragedy of errors in which we now live. The, the first idea is that even though we have all of these incredible options to define who we are, we have largely lost the biblical ideas about identity. We've largely lost the biblical ideas about identity, about how we define ourselves. So I want you to notice something. Um, go back to the great commandment that Jesus quotes. Jesus says, um, the great commandment, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your mind and with all your soul and with all your strength. You've probably heard that commandment a hundred million times, right? And, and I have too. And I got to tell you, for most of my life, when I heard that commandment, I thought, well, there's just four words that mean the same thing, right? You know, when I, when I tell... Um, somebody, uh, I love you and I like you and I think you're great. Um, but, but I'm not sure that's the case. And, and the more I've read and studied over the last number of years and months, the more I've come to realize maybe those ideas of heart and soul and mind and strength or body are, are these components of biblical identity that they took for granted and that we have begun to lose. So, I want us to think a little bit about this idea of these components of our identity. Um, th these, these four ideas that I just mentioned, or rather that Jesus mentioned, heart and soul and mind and strength or body, show up other places in Scripture, right? So, Psalm, uh, Psalm 16, verse 9 says, Therefore my heart is glad, and my soul rejoices, and my body also rests secure. My heart and my soul and my body what do these ideas mean? What's the difference between my heart and my soul and my mind and my body? David actually adds another category of identity for us. Um, David says, who am I and who is my house? So, for David, as for most biblical authors, community was overwhelmingly important in shaping their identity. Right? They were partly who they were in relationship to other people. Uh, and that's true for us too, right? I'm a, I'm a son and a father and a friend and a husband. And, um, you know, we have all of those identities that are formed in relationship with others. And so I think that maybe um, we need to explore these ideas a little deeper. Um, there's a great Christian author named Dallas Willard who's done some amazing work on this. Uh, he wrote a book called Renovation of the Heart, uh, and it's been um, worked over by some others as well. And he talks about these particular ideas and how the components of our identities relate, how all the little me's make the big me. I've got an image that Dallas Willard uses. Would you pull that up? 
Um, I don't know how well you can see this, but these are concentric circles, okay? And the smallest circle in the middle says spirit or heart or will. And then around it we see mind, and then we see body, and then we see social or community, and then we see soul. And, and Willard says every one of those pieces of your identity is really important. And one of the challenges that we have in the Christian world today is we've lost some of these ideas and we've lost um, how we work on our, our mind or our body or our spirit or our soul. Uh, and so we begin to lose ourselves. So over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about these ideas. We'll spend a week talking about what do we mean by the heart um, by, the, by the Spirit. What do we mean about the mind and what are the role of thoughts and feelings in our identity? What do we mean by the body or by our community or by our soul? And I hope through that process, um, we'll reclaim some biblical ideas about what makes me, me. Thanks. You can, you can take that down for a minute. Okay. Uh, so, uh, my hope is First, as we begin thinking about this question, who, I, who am I, we begin with a recognition um, that there are these biblical ideas about identity that we need to go back to, that we need to reclaim. We'll work on that some more. But, but the second thing I think um, that's as or maybe even more important is that our identity doesn't come from within, but from without. And, and I hope you notice this, David is talking to God. You, you notice how David describes this moment? So he asks this incredibly big question. Right? He says, who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that you've brought me this far? Uh, and then he kind of pivots. And rather than answering the question about who am I and, and what is my house, what is my family, he pivots and starts talking about God. Right? Because of your promise and according to your own heart, you have wrought all this greatness so your servant may know it. Therefore you are great, O Lord God, for there is no one like you. There is no one but God besides you, according to all we have heard with our ears." David says, I, I can't answer this question, who am I, without going immediately to talk about who God is. And, and this idea that our identity comes not from within, um, but from without, um, is overwhelmingly important for us. I, I came across a video of the spoken word, uh, sort of a form of poetry that I really enjoy, um, talking about this exact question, and I want to share it with you. Let me tell you a lie. You will know who you are and what you're here to do when you know who you are and what you're here to do. For herein lies the lie the world is trying to get Getting to know yourself is the best thing you can do. That is why they say, know thyself, discover who you are and why, to your own person be true. Your greatest need is to become self-actualized. But actually, all these promises are based on an assumption that breaks when you drill down into what they're really trying to say. For trying to know who you are by simply looking inside is based on the fundamental presupposition that you are where the center of the universe lies. And that is why becoming self-actualized is actually the world's most tactical lie. 
because self cannot define something bigger than itself. And who you are is comprised of not just you, but of everything else. For self cannot self-help. I cannot identify I. So we need to look somewhere else to find what we are all trying to find. We all want to make the answers to these two questions clear. Who am I? And what am I doing here? What these two questions are really introducing are questions of being and questions of doing. Who am I? What am I doing here? Who am I supposed to be? What am I supposed to do? What was I created for? What have I been called to? And since we know that neither I nor you will ever finish questing after these questions we're all questioning through without looking beyond what our own mind can prove, then we need to plot a new course to get to the truth. So we will not accept the titles the world is hawking. We will not base who we are off of what they are offering. We will not find our identity inside inward wandering. We will not found our purpose under culture's covering. But we will look to the one who created our being to find our meaning. We will look to the one who prepared our doing to unearth our purpose. For when we find his being, we will find our own. And when we discover what he's doing, the reason for our existence will be shown. Let me tell you the truth. You will know who you are and what you're here to do when you know who Jesus is and what he was here to do. For if you can't know yourself unless you first know your maker, then you must know Jesus, who is the perfect image of our creator. And if you can't know your purpose unless you first know why God made you, then you must know Jesus, who is the only one who only did what the Father created him to do. So the question must be asked, who is Jesus and what was his task? I think so often we ask ourselves. We ask our young people uh, in the midst of our crisis, we say, uh, boy, I need to answer the question who I am with some self-reflection or uh, self-awareness or self-determination or self-actualization. And, and I think the church would come back and say, no, we need Christ-reflection. We need Christ-awareness. We need Christ-determination. We need Christ actually in our midst and in us and us in Him. And when I want to answer that question, who am I, it has to begin by me going to Jesus and saying, who is He? I can't figure out me until I figure out Him. And every category of our identity, heart and mind and body and community and soul, we need Jesus to speak into those places. Can you put that graphic up one more time? Um, there, you can't read it necessarily from where you are, but there's an arrow uh, that points from the outside all the way to the center of our being. It says, word and spirit of Christ enters. Uh, 
from beyond us, God comes to us uh, and, and penetrates our soul and our community and our body and our mind and our heart. And then from that center of ourselves, um, Willard writes, evoking faith in Christ, which reestablishes communion with God. There's this process of, of bringing Jesus into our lives that reshapes our identity. And this, bring, you can take that off, thanks. This brings us to our third and final point. Uh, identity isn't static. Identity isn't something that you discover and then keep the same forever. Who you are is designed to be changed. Who you are is designed to grow and improve like a child growing into an adult. And again and again in Scripture, we get this language of, of the authors of Scripture saying, uh, I desire for Christ to be formed in you. Uh, saying, we proclaim Christ so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Saying that we desire all of us to come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to maturity to the measure of the full stature of Christ. Identity isn't static. When we just look inward, when we just look at ourselves, we, we think maybe there's some self-truth that will fix who I am. But when we look upward, we realize that we're on this journey of discovery that doesn't ever really end, but always begins with Jesus and always involves inviting the Word of God and the Holy Spirit of God and the people of God into my existence to make me who I was always supposed to be. There's an old story um, about a man who was walking through the forest one day and found a young eagle who had fallen out of its nest. Uh, not knowing what else to do, he takes this eagle home and he puts it in his barnyard and he feeds it with his chickens and soon it learns to behave like the chickens. And so it eats the chicken food and it sort of just fits in with the rest of the birds. One day, a uh, Another man comes by uh, who's a naturalist, comes by the farm, and he says, why is it that the king of all birds is pecking on the ground like a chicken? And the farmer replied, well, uh, I found it, and I brought it in, and I gave it feed, and I trained it to be a chicken. It never really learned to fly, so um, since it behaved like a chicken, it's really not an eagle anymore. And the naturalist said, still it has the heart of an eagle, and surely it can be taught to fly. So he takes the bird in his hands, and he holds it up over his head, and he says, you are the king of all birds. You are an eagle. Stretch forth your wings and fly. And the eagle looks around uncomfortably, and it sees uh, its friends, the chickens, scratching in the dirt, and it jumps down from his hands, and it goes over, and it pecks at more of that chicken feed. So the naturalist takes the bird, and this time he climbs up on the roof of the house where the farmer lives, and he holds the bird over his head again, and he says, you are an eagle. You belong to the sky. Stretch forth your wings and fly. And the bird looks around a little bit, uh, and then it looks back down, and it sees the chickens again on the ground, and it jumps back down and starts pecking at the dirt with the other chickens. Finally, the naturalist takes the eagle far from that farm up to the top of a mountain, and he holds the bird over his head towards the sky, and he says, you are the king of all birds. You belong to the sky. Stretch forth your wings and fly. And the eagle from that spot looked down from the mountain, and it could see at the bottom the barnyard where it had grown up, and it looked up, and it could see the sky. And then the naturalist lifted it straight towards the sun, and it happened that the eagle began to tremble. And he stretched forth his wings and with a triumphant cry soared away into the heavens. 
The story is uh, that it may be that eagle still remembers the chickens with nostalgia. It may even be that he occasionally revisits the barnyard. But as far as anyone knows, he has never returned to lead the life of a chicken. See, our Father comes to us and He says, I know you don't know who you are, but I do. And He lifts us over His head towards His Son and He says, you were designed to be the queens and the kings of this world, to be my partners. And and the incredible work of creation and redemption, stretch forth your wings and fly like eagles, mount on wings and soar, run and don't grow weary, run and do not grow tired. I have more in mind for you than you ever imagined for yourself. In the midst of the identity explosion in our world, as we ask ourselves and our young people to make decisions no one ever had to make in the history of time about who they are, we have the capacity in Christ to be formed heart and mind and soul and body and community in the pattern and image of Jesus so that we can be who we were meant to be, so that we can answer the question, who am I? not with a comedy of errors, but with the confidence of expectant faith. Let's find ourselves in Christ today. Thanks be to Him. Amen.